This morning we begin a new series of sermons called Psalms of Ascent. And these are psalms taken from the book of Psalms that the pilgrims sang on their way, on their journey to Jerusalem to worship God. Music has always been a part of road trips. I'm going to date myself here. In fact, our production team had a hard time finding a picture that I wanted. Um, but I remember those early road trips when Lynn and I were dating, and I would get in my Mustang, my 66 Mustang, or 68 Mustang, and I would um, get my favorite eight tracks and my eight track player, and it looked something like that. Uh, how many of you know that to be true? It sounded awesome until you hit a bump. And if you had an eight track in your car, you had to always kind of take a piece of paper and fold it up and wedge it into the eight track player so it wouldn't skip. And I would have the BGs and Three Dog Night and the Righteous Brothers. That's before we had any gospel music on eight track. I hadn't gotten that far yet. But uh, it was a nine hour journey and uh, I would play through those uh, eight track tapes Road music, right? How many of you have done road music, mixtape for vacation, right? And then we went to cassettes. And then whenever we had kids, we got some of these things, uh, these little portable, that's actually a Walkman, uh, but uh, there actually was a portable DVD player that would, again, skip. Every time you had a bump, it would skip and start over. And we'd try to find a way to make it, you know, where it would not be uh, bumping around. But fun times. Traveling times, music time. Well, in these psalms, and there's 15 of the psalms that the Jewish worshipers sang on their way to Jerusalem. It was their song list. And we're going to be preaching from five of them. And so I want to talk today about Psalm 121. And these are psalms for pilgrims. Three times a year, the Israelites would journey to Jerusalem for one of three feasts. They would first come for, in the spring of the year, to the Feast of Pentecost, where they would celebrate their covenant relationship with God and God's faithfulness by giving, uh, where the first was actually Passover when they would come and celebrate their, how he delivered them from slavery, then Pentecost. And then the third feast in the fall was the Feast of Tabernacle, where they celebrated that God had blessed them and blessed them to be a blessing to all the nations. So Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacle. And, and these feasts uh, and these psalms celebrated that God had rescued his people, that he had given them redemption, and that he had given them the responsibility to change the world. And we come here to, to worship and either online or in person to celebrate the same things, right? That God has rescued us in Jesus Christ. He's given us the gift of redemption, and he's given us the responsibility to grow and to go forward. Now, these pilgrims, uh, they came from all over Palestine, small towns, villages, farms, cities, and, and they traveled sometimes on average 18 miles a day. They walked 18 miles a day. And you could walk as much as 100 plus miles to make a journey to Jerusalem for these feasts. I was looking at this, I never realized this, that some scholars say that Jesus in his lifetime, 33 years, walked about 15,000 miles, walked 15,000 miles. And much of that was going up to Jerusalem uh, for the three feasts every year. And I'm sure that Jesus sang these Psalms. He had Psalm 121 memorized and would sing it and chant it as he and his family uh, walked up to Jerusalem. 
You know, we need to come to worship with a song in our heart, with, 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 with a declaration of God's greatness. And, and we, they, there were songs for pilgrims. We have a destination for disciples. You know, we, we are on a journey too. And in fact, if you look at Scripture, when Jesus was crucified on the cross, and when he said these words, it is finished, the veil in the temple was rent in two, which meant that, that God's temple is now with us and that you and I are on a daily journey with Christ. We don't have to go to Jerusalem to meet with God. We are journeying with God every day. And we come to the house of God to celebrate and to recharge batteries and to, and to uh, be launched into mission. But, but we have a destination. You know, this is very similar to what these folks had uh, in, in the Old Testament. We, we believe, for example, uh, the season of Lent. Uh, and it's a season of where we gather together for special occasions. A Passover week. We come into, into this room, sanctuary here, for Monday, Thursday. We, we ascend God's hill and celebrate that Passover is the week that Jesus was crucified. We come together on Easter in record numbers in all of our venues at all different times to celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead. At Pentecost, we come in June to celebrate the birth of the church, the gift of the Holy Spirit. We come at Advent preparing for Jesus' birth. And on Christmas Eve, in record numbers, we come to worship the birth of Jesus Christ. High and holy days, a destination for disciples. We're all pilgrims. We're all on a journey. We're coming from different places. I found out yesterday, I got an update on this, that so far in the past year, people have attended, visited, worshiped with Mount Horb that have come from 86 different zip codes. Isn't that amazing? 86 different zip codes from around our area, people come to Mount Horb. If you go online right now and go to Facebook Live, there are seven countries represented right now watching Mount Horeb online. Kenya, uh, other parts of Africa, Australia, some other countries that are listed there. Watching people coming to worship and being a part of this destination we're on. But also, let me just say a word about this, is that while we're pilgrims, while we're on a destination, we're also aliens. Now, I'm not talking about the aliens that come around in UFOs. I kind of think that's kind of interesting. But listen to what Hebrews 13, 14 says. For this world is not our home. We are looking forward to our everlasting home in heaven. The Bible says that we're just passing through this earth. This is not our final destination. First Chronicles 29, for we are aliens and temporary residents in your presence as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without a hope. You see, we are aliens. We're, we are on a journey. This world is not the end. Now, while we don't ascend to Jerusalem, we're ascending to God every single day. That is God's intent. He wants you to worship him every single day. And we can learn the same truths that these travelers learned from the Psalms. So let me read Psalm 121. If, you can, if you're able, would you stand and... In your living room right now, uh, would you stand? Now, if you're driving and watching, you know, just you can remain seated. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. 
The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go both now and forever. The word of God for the people of God. Father God, may we know where our help comes from. May we know where our hope comes from. And may these words guide us as we journey closer and closer to you. As we go through the various dangers of life, may we never forget that your word is with us, that your Holy Spirit is with us, and that you never sleep, you never slumber. Protect us now as we go forward. Give us ears to hear your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. You'll be seated. So this morning, know where your hope comes from. We live in a world that is searching for hope. Know where your hope comes from. You know, lift up your heads. Look up to the mountains. Does your help come from there? Now, whenever I'm traveling north, headed toward North Carolina, or better yet, headed toward Kentucky, and I, and I get through Spartanburg, and I start heading toward the state line, when I see the outline of the mountains, something happens in my heart. Some of my DNA starts to kick in because that's where I was raised. I was raised in the hills of Kentucky, and you never get that out of you. In fact, I love the story. Our, we, our, we didn't do a lot of traveling when our kids were small. And uh, uh, so when we were about five, kids were about five years old, we made the big trip to Kentucky. And we left Conway, and my son and daughter had only, or it's Aaron at that time, Ashley had been before, but Aaron had not been yet. And so they were used, he was used to flat ground, right? Everything flat. He had never seen much of a hill other than an anthill, right? A fire ant bed. And uh, so we, get, we, we, we drive through the night. We spend the night in, in Virginia, get a motel, and get up the next morning, and we get in the car. I never thought about this, but Aaron was totally amazed at mountains. And you know what his big question was as we got in the car to drive? He said, Dad, Dad. How do those cows keep from falling over? You know, because he was seeing the cow standing on the side of the, of the mountain and it just made no sense to him. He, he just didn't register. You know, I, I've, I always have a special affinity for a mountain. It, gives, it stirs me in my heart. Well, Jerusalem is the highest city in Palestine. So when the pilgrims were coming to Jerusalem, they were always looking up. They were always climbing. And let me just say, hear this church, more than ever, our, we need to learn to look up and not look down. I'm afraid that right now in our world, we got a lot of people looking down, downcast, depressed, wondering how we're going to survive the mess we're in. We need hope in the midst of a global pandemic. We need hope in the midst of protest about racial injustice. We need hope in the midst of political division. We need hope in the midst of economic uncertainty. We need hope in the midst of a pending separation within the United Methodist Church. All those are things on our plate right now. And if you're not careful, all those things can begin to overwhelm you. And you begin to focus on the mountain and not on the one who made the mountains. Psalm 121 is a song of hope to a world that needs hope. So today, if you're listening 
watching, sitting here, if you're needing some hope, Psalm 121 is a message for you. Paul wrote it this way in Ephesians chapter 2. Those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. There's a lot of people that don't know that God has made a covenant relationship with his people. That I will be your God. That I will walk with you. And I will never slumber or sleep and I'll be your God. I'll make a way for you. But people have forgotten that. And they're living in a world without God and without hope. Let me be clear today that real and certain hope, real hope is birthed when we enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. When we invite Jesus Christ, the creator of everything, into our hearts, hope is birthed. As the old gospel song says, we're climbing higher and higher because I've been given hope. And my hope is not in the mountains. I love mountains, but they're just hills. They're just dirt. They're just rocks. My hope is in the one who made the mountains. Can I get an amen to that? Not in the creation, but in the creator. So this real hope is restored in us when we begin to focus on what God has done in this world. When we begin to focus on the revelation of God revealed in Holy Scripture. I love these words out of James 1.17. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heaven. Not just the mountains, but all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or cast a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us what? His true word. And we out of all of creation became his prized possessions. That verse gives me hope. I am, you are God's prized possession. And God is watching over you. God is protecting you. God is walking with you. He says here, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. Put that verse back up there if you would. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. What does that mean? It means in John chapter one, that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, but then the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ, God's word became flesh and dwelt among us. And Jesus made the statement himself, I am the way the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. See, that gives us hope. That's the direction that we have. This good word, there's so much in this good word. It says here in this word here that God's word is good. God's word is perfect. God's word is true. God's word is unchanging. God's word brings life. Now, let me say those again so you can write them down. This, this is what God's word does to us when it comes into our life. God's word is good. God's word is perfect. God's word is true. God's word is unchanging. And God's word brings life. I need that in my life. I need to daily participate reading the word of God because the word of God is alive. And it's birthed through Jesus Christ, God's son. The word became flesh and dwelt among us.
So know where your hope comes from. Number two, know where your help comes from. Now, you would think that all of us would know where our help comes from, but I'm afraid that we're spending a lot of time in this world right now looking for help in all the wrong places. We're looking for help in all the wrong places. And, and, and if you study the history of the world, the history will show us that civilization gets in trouble when we stop looking to God, when we start looking in all the wrong places for our help. You know, a few months ago, a couple months ago, Lynn and I, in, is in mid-May, Lynn and I had some vacation time set aside to go down on the coast. And we were down in near Bulls Bay and we're going to do some fishing. I took my boat with me. And on Sunday afternoon, we're out there on the intercoastal waterway. And we're doing a little red fishing and trying to catch some uh, uh, trout. And it was a nice afternoon, but, but all of a sudden the wind got up and the waves got up and it got rough on the intercoastal waterway. It was during COVID-19, so originally there weren't many boats out there, but evidently people started coming to the intercoastal that afternoon. It was just jammed with big boats, you know, not little boats. I'm talking about big intercoastal waterway boats, right? So the waves are bad. The wind's bad. The, it's a full moon, so the tide's really running hard. And Lynn says to me those words that us husbands who fish know, I'm ready to go in. I'm done, you know? So she's done with the rocking and all this. So we, okay, let's go in. So I get to the landing and the little dock there, and I tie up, and everything came in kind of hot because the waves were running so hard. She thought I came in a little bit fast, which I did. And uh, so we were having a little bit of discussion about that, you know. And uh, so I tie up, and I go up and get the truck and back the trailer into the water, get back in the boat, and I say, Lynn, you want to stay? No, and I'm, I'm done. I'm out. So she's out on the, out on the uh, dock, and, and I turn the key on the motor, and it won't crank, right? Motor won't turn over. And I got three boats lined up out here to take their boats out because it's getting bad out on the waterway. And I turn the key again, nothing. And I go, I need some help here. I don't know what I'm doing here. This is not good. So I pull up the, the cover off the batteries and check all the connections and they're all good and nothing, you know? So I'm going, I got to do something here. So I get the trolling motor down and I get the trolling motor in the water and I use my trolling motor very carefully to get up on the trailer and get up on the trailer enough where I can get out in the water pull my boat up, hook the winch on it, and I winch it up on the trailer, you know. Lynn's not a happy camper. You know, she's ready to go. So I got, you know, I had the trifecta going on there. I had the wind, I had the waves, I had the tide, I had my wife, and, and, and none of it was happy, right? So I get back to the land, get back to the, the house, and I plug the battery chargers in, and, and Lynn says, well, I'm not going back out there again because your boat doesn't work. I say, yeah, I, I get it fixed, I get it fixed. So I checked everything, checked all the batteries, checked all the connections, nothing. Won't crank. So I start calling some people, right? Hey, they say, have you checked your battery? I did all that stuff. Nothing. Took everything apart, put it all back together. Nothing. So next morning, Monday morning, I call a good friend, Bubba Roof. I say, Bubba, I, I, if you got a dealer here down here in Charleston, I can take my boat to because I got to get it fixed and I got to go fishing and i there all week. He said, let me let's talk to Wayne first. So I said, oh, sure, okay. So I talked to Wayne and Wayne said, you checked your battery? I said, tick, tick, all that stuff. I checked everything. He said, you take the cover off the motor and check the ground to the block on the motor. I didn't check that. So I took the block off, took, took a wrench out and tightened the nut on the block with the ground wire was and it cranked right up. You got to know who to call, right? <laughs> you got to know who to call. I'm one of those guys that the boat dealer would have made uh, $800 on just going, Keek! and they go, that's my kind of customer right there. Know who to call, right? Know who to call. These, these travelers 
were in the midst of danger. They were climbing mountains. There was loose terrain, it says in the scripture. They could have slipped. They could have fallen. They could have broken an ankle. It was hot. It was cold at, at night. They could have had a heat stroke. They could have had moonstroke at night. You know, moonstruck is, is in, the, in the text here. That's where we get the word lunatic. Did you know that? That, you, that, you, that, that being in the cold traveling can drive you crazy, right? But God is watching over them. There's a long journey. They can get tired. There's robbers. There's thieves. There's wild animals. And they know where their help comes from. You see, and, and your walk is not free from trouble, is it? As you, as you on a destination as a disciple, you're, you're battling disease. Some of you are battling a diagnosis right now. Some of you, all of us are battling the pandemic. Some of you have battled an accident. Some of you have experienced violence in your life. Where does your help come from in the midst of pandemic, in the midst of disease, in the midst of accidents, in the midst of violence? And does it come from the mountains? Does my help come from the mountains? Despite their beauty, despite their majesty, they're just heels. In fact, Jesus said this, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, what can happen? You can move a mountain. So how, how big is a mountain? The faith of a mustard seed, Jesus said, can move a mountain. What does he mean by that? He means a mountain of doubt. He means a mountain of guilt. He means a mountain of fear. He means a mountain of temptation. His power can move mountains in your life. We look up and see the creator. Now this verse in Romans, I think, speaks so well to what's going on in our world today. It says, Paul wrote in Romans 1, they traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who's worthy of eternal praise. Amen. My friends, our world is in trouble because it is worshiping the things that God created instead of the God who created them. There isn't a movement. There isn't a political system. There's not an economist who's going to solve this world's problems. You know, if, 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 if an economist could solve our problems, God would have sent an economist, right? If a politician could have solved our problems, God would have sent a politician. But who did God send? God sent his son into this world because the creator is the one that can solve our problems. Can I get an amen to that? It is the creator that we got to look to. Our help comes from the Lord. In the midst of uncertainty, where does our help come from? It comes from the God who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. In the midst of instability, where does our help come from? It comes from the one who is stable. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 7, you're going to have storms, you're going to have wind, you're going to have rain, you're going to have floods. But whoever hears my words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And when the storms came, when things got unstable, that house stood because it was built on a solid foundation by the creator. Now, I'm not dismissing movements and I'm not dismissing politicians. I'm not dismissing economists. But unless our politicians and unless our movements and unless our economists start looking to God, we're in trouble. 
And we're going to be following people who are going to lead us down a slippery slope. We need godly leaders in this country. Can I get an amen to that? Christians should not shy away from the political process. We need people who believe in God to be in the process. We need spiritual leaders in this country. And, and, and so look to the creator, not to the creation for your help. I shared this story a few weeks ago on a Wednesday evening. The story of a woman in the eastern part of the world. And she came to the sultan. And she told the sultan that she had lost her property. She needed to be compensated for her loss. And the sultan said to her, well, ma'am, how did you lose your property? She said, I fell asleep and a robber came and took everything in my dwelling. And the sultan, well, why did you fall asleep? And listen to her answer. She said, I fell asleep because I believe you were awake. I fell asleep because I believed you were awake. We've got a lot of people who we think are going to lead us out of this mess who are asleep at the wheel. Can I get an amen to that? But we have a God who never sleeps. We have a God who never slumbers. We have a God who knows exactly what we need. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. That's the creator speaking. That's the God of the universe speaking. You know, the ophthalmologist will tell us that if we're starting to get eye fatigue, eye strain from reading close up, that we can open the window and look outside and start focusing on something far away and it relieves the tension in our eyes. One reason that we don't have hope today is that we are too busy focusing on the mountains on the mountains of COVID-19, on the mountains of political crisis, on the mountains of, of unrest, on the mountains of economic concerns. Don't look at the mountains. Look at the one who's above the mountains, the God of the universe. Reread this Psalm and he will restore your perspective. He'll give you a new vision. And then I wanna say this to you this morning, church, know the difference between hurt and harm between hurt and harm. In this world, we will get hurt. Anybody here not been hurt by this world? We will get hurt in this world, but know the difference. God always guards our souls from harm. God guards your soul from harm. Romans eight twenty eight. for we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Life will let you down. Life will get you down, but God will never let you down. Can I say an amen to that? He won't let you down, folks. He will not get you down. He is here to lift you up, to encourage you. Life will hurt you, but God will not harm you. I love these words from 1 Corinthians 10, 13, from the message paraphrase. No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember, now get this, all you need to remember is that God will never let you down. Next slide. 
He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. Amen? That's the Word of God. That's a source of your hope. I love this statement. All the waters in the ocean, all the waters in the ocean cannot sink a ship unless it gets inside. Isn't that true? All the water in the ocean cannot sink a ship unless it gets inside. Nor can all the troubles in the world harm us unless we let them get inside. See, the promise of the psalm is that God will guard you from every evil. God will keep evil from getting into your soul. Evil may hurt you, but evil will not harm your soul if you ask God to protect your soul. I love this quote. It's one of the best quotes I've read in this whole pandemic from an A.W. Tozer. The only safe place for a sheep is by the side of the shepherd because the devil does not fear sheep. He just fears a shepherd, and that's all. You see, if I try to take the devil on by myself, I'm going to fail. He's not afraid of me. He's not afraid of you. But who's he afraid of? The one who defeated him on the cross. The one who defeated him on the third day of resurrection. He defeated evil. He defeated the devil. And he is with you. And that gives me incredible hope. That, that I may get hurt on this planet. I will get hurt on this planet. But my soul is secure. Because Jesus Christ reigns and rules in my soul. Believe that today. God does not promise that you will win every time, but it does promise that the evil one will not win. The evil one will not win in the end. I know that I'm on the winning team. Are you on the winning team? I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that my God will have the last say. COVID-19 won't have the last say. Politicians won't have the last say. Economists won't have the last say. My God, when he's ready, will have the last say. He is the Alpha and He is the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the first and He is the last. And that gives me hope today. And finally, I would say this morning, know for certain you're hereafter. Know for certain you're hereafter. Verse 8 of this psalm, the Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. I want everyone that's watching, listening here today to be certain of your hereafter. To know that your life, your soul, is safe in the hands of God. That's why I became a Christian. When I was 14 years old, I was afraid to die. I couldn't go to sleep at night at 14 because I didn't know what was going to happen to me when I, when I, if I died in my sleep. And when I invited Jesus into my heart, he took away that fear. He took away the fear of dying because I knew that my life, my heart, my soul, was in his hands, just like his eye is on the sparrow. His eye is on me. Friends, we're on a journey. We're on a destination. We're aliens on this planet. But too often times, we want to be settlers. We want to settle down here. We, we want to make this world our home. We want to make a, an occasional visit with God while we chase the world. We want to conform to the world instead of conforming to Christ. And that's why we're restless. That's why we're torn. That's why we're in confusion. That's why we're in conflict. 
because we're trying to be somebody that God didn't intend us to be. And we're chasing a broken creation. This creation will not make you happy. It might make you happy for a day or a week or six months or six years or, or part of your lifetime, but it won't make you happy in the end. Because when you and I stand before the maker, all that's going to be stripped away. We're going to stand before the Lord and, and there's going to be one thing. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? That gives you hope. Today we face a great challenge. Make no mistake. But our hope, our help is in the Lord. You know, because of this COVID-19, we can't ascend to the local church as much as we would like. I'm guessing today we've got 20% of our congregation attending here in person. 80% of our congregation is watching online. So right now, while the house of God is very important, what's more important than ever is the household of God, that you need to be a household of God. That I would challenge all of us to make, a, make an altar in our homes, an altar to Jesus in our homes where we meet with God daily. Discipleship can't happen here as well as it was before COVID-19, but you can do discipleship in your home. We need parents to disciple their kids. We need grandparents to disciple their grandkids. We need to, to Zoom as much as we can, but you, what an opportunity. When this is all over, God's going to look at all and say, what did you do during this time away from my house? Were you a household of God? Will you ascend and bring to, into God's presence where you are? That's why that veil was rent in two in the temple when Jesus said it is finished. You take God with you. God doesn't stay here at this place. He goes to your house, a household of God. I want to close with a story about Corey Tinboom and her sister Betsy. They were imprisoned at Ravenbook concentration camp, a Nazi concentration camp during World War II. More than half of the people that imprisoned there died in Ravensburg. And Corey Timboom and her sister Betsy, by the grace of God, were able to sneak a Bible into their barracks. They had to go through four different checkpoints, full body search. And somehow, by the grace of God, they hid that Bible. And they carried that Bible with them into that concentration camp. And these quotes here, but as the rest of the world grew stranger, sound familiar? But as the rest of the world grew stranger, one thing became increasingly clear, that there was a reason that we were here. You see, in that concentration camp, there was no chapel. There was no church. There was no synagogue. There was no place to worship God. As for us, from morning until lights out, Whenever we were not in ranks for roll call, our Bible was a center of help and hope. The blacker the night around us grew, the brighter and truer and more beautiful burned the Word of God. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loves us. Corey Tim Boom wrote these words, life in Ravensbrook 
took place in two separate levels. One, the observable external life grew every day more horrible. Every day life was more horrible, terrible. But the other, the life we live with God grew daily better. Truth upon truth and glory upon glory because they found hope in the midst of great darkness. Betsy died at Ravensbrook and a few weeks later, due to clerical error, <laughs> that's comical, isn't it? Due to clerical error, Corey Timboom was released from prison and she devoted the rest of her life sharing that God's word brings hope to hopeless people. Jesus Christ brings hope to hopeless people. And my friends, if you're here today and you need hope, you can find it in Jesus Christ. And if you're here because you believe in Jesus Christ, he's sending you out to a world that needs hope. Don't keep the hope for yourself. Be like Corey Tinboom, Betsy, and invite people to receive the hope of Jesus Christ. Father God, I thank you that here in this place, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you're watching over us, you're not sleeping, you're not slumbering, you're calling us into a relationship with you, that right now anyone who's watching online, in their home, in their living room, in their car, and they, they feel you knocking on the door of their heart right now. They feel hopeless. They feel helpless. They're surrounded by temptation. They've been depending on a substance to get them through the night. They've been watching things online, pornography they shouldn't be watching, trying to find some meaning in all this mess. There's great conflict going on in the home and arguments and fighting and verbal abuse, maybe even physical abuse. There's, there's an emptiness, there's a hopelessness. And Father God, you wanna step into that mess right now. You wanna step into that heart, not to condemn that person, but to give them grace, to forgive them, to wash away sins, to make them into a new person, to give them new hope, new direction, new purpose. And I pray that right now you would do this in the name of Jesus. That right now in this room and in rooms all across this country, this world, that Jesus Christ would be invited into hearts. And your word tells us that you're the God who can do it. Substance can't do it. Arguments can't do it. Money can't do it. Even a cure for COVID-19 can't do it. Politicians can't fix it, but Jesus Christ can. Lord, may we trust you today. The great God who can change the world can change us right now in this moment. I thank you for doing that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.